Welcome to Sullivan's Pro Football Kickoff. It's about the Bills and the beer. Here's your host, John Murphy. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the podcast, the Sullivan's Pro Football Kickoff. I'm John Murphy. It's about the Bills and it's about the beer. <laughs> I'd like to introduce myself. I'm John Murphy. I've been involved in Buffalo sports casting for about, well, about 40 years now. I've been involved in the Bills radio broadcast about 33 years. I was only off the radio broadcast for a total of four years since I started in 1984. Those four years, 1990 season through 1993 season. Does that ring a bell? You know what those four seasons were? Yep, the Super Bowl years. I was not involved in the Bills radio broadcast during the four Super Bowls. Still amazes me. <laughs> I've done play-by-play. Play. Now I'm going into my 17th year. I succeeded the late great Hall of Famer Van Miller in 2004. I don't want to say everything I learned about broadcasting I learned from Van, but I learned an awful lot, an awful lot. And during all that time, I've seen plenty of Bills games. I have plenty of observations. It's safe to say I've learned a lot about the NFL. And I've always kept in mind that I have a lot more to learn. I don't know everything. I'm going to tell you what I see. I'm going to tell you what I know, what I think I know, but I don't know everything. I've worked the last eight years with the Bills. I employed there as host of the first, the John Murphy Show, and then One Bills Drive. Last couple of years with the great Steve Tasker, the Wall of Famer. My contract is up in June, so I'm finished with the Bills as far as being a full-time employee there, but I am getting set to do play-by-play for the 17th year. Brings me to the other part of uh, what's going to be part of this podcast, beer. I've always been a big fan of beer. I now work in the beer industry. I am the at-large ambassador for Sullivan's Brewing Company, brewed in Ireland, in Kilkenny, Ireland. They brew Sullivan's Maltings Irish Red Ale, Sullivan's Irish Gold Ale, and Sullivan's Black Marble Stout, all of them available in Buffalo and throughout much of upstate New York and really Bill's country. I'm an at-large brand ambassador, which means I help the real ambassadors, the salesmen, help them with marketing, assist sales, try to get the good word out about Sullivan's, which includes this podcast. We're going to spend a lot of time on this podcast talking about beer, about Sullivan's, of course, but other beers, about the beer industry itself. And we'll spend a few minutes with Sullivan's CEO today, Buffalo resident Michael Mead. We'll hear his story about how he got involved with Sullivan's Irish Red Ale and how he got me involved. It's a pretty good story, I think. Also on this podcast, this first podcast, the uh, Sullivan's uh, podcast, I'm going to talk with Eric Wood. He was a color analyst on the Bills Radio Network last year. Not going to do it this year, at least to start, and a good reason for that, COVID. Obviously, COVID considerations. Eric is uh, living in Louisville, Kentucky. He's spent his whole life there. He is quarantined with the two-week quarantine period, which comes after every trip into New York State. It would be virtually impossible for him to make the back-and-forth trip from his home in Louisville uh, to Orchard Park and back again. He's got an ACC broadcast schedule as well. But Eric follows the team. He's going to do some work for the Bills this year. And if things change and he's able to, he's going to be our color analyst again this year. Steve Tasker said it's Eric's job. When he's ready and when he can do it, I will step aside, which is pretty amazing. We'll talk with Eric about that. We'll talk about his uh, circumstances surrounding the season, why he cannot Uh, do the uh, broadcast with me on Sundays. He still follows the Bills. He's got great observations about what the Bills have done this offseason, what it might be like playing without fans for the first couple of games at least, and about what what he's going to do this year without doing the uh, broadcast on the Bills Network. So that's the plan for this first podcast. And for all of them, uh, that'll be the plan as well. Bills news, NFL talk, 
and Sullivan's Talk, Beer Talk. That's what we're going to do every week on Sullivan's Pro Football Kickoff, and that's what I'm here to do. I hope you enjoy it. And if you don't, or if you do, we'd like your ideas. We'd take your feedback, what you'd like to hear on the podcast. Let us know what was good, what wasn't so good, what you may agree with, what you disagree with. All of it. We'll take all of it. You can uh, give us the feedback on my Twitter page, simply John Murphy, or you can send us an email to Sullivan's Pro Football Kickoff at gmail.com. That's our email address. So that's the setup. That's what we're going to be doing uh, in this first podcast and every week on the podcast. We'll try to do it on a weekly basis, getting the podcast up early in the week so we can review the game on Sunday before and sort of preview the upcoming game. Today's going to be a preview of the Jets game and maybe a preview and overview of the 2020 season for the Buffalo Bills and what a remarkable season it will be. They're a very good team. They've had a limited uh, practice schedule without an off-season schedule, a full off-season schedule, but they're ready to go, just like the rest of the NFL. And we'll talk about it in just a few minutes with Eric Wood. Stick around. We're just getting started. The Sullivan's Pro Football Kickoff, and I'm John Murphy. Sullivan's Pro Football Kickoff, and joining us right now, Eric Wood, nine years as a player with the Buffalo Bills, Pro Bowl performer, Buffalo's first-round pick in 2009. Eric spent last year as the color analyst, along with me, on the Bills Radio Network. Eric, good to be with you, and I'm sorry we're not going to have you there at least to start the season. I'm really, I was really looking forward to working another year with you. Yeah, me too. And we've talked about this at length, but, you know, I think by the end of the year, I say we were hitting our stride, but I was probably catching more up to speed. You've been a pro at this for a long, long time, but I I truly enjoyed calling the games last year with you being around the team was refreshing for me. So to not be able to travel to New York right now, coming from Kentucky for the games because of the 14 day uh, mandated uh, quarantine rule, um, it, it is upsetting to me, but Steve Tasker will do a good job. And I'm looking forward to being back calling games whenever either that lifts or in 2021. Yeah, it's important to mention, right? I mean, there's a chance you'll get some games in this year. And Steve certainly is gracious enough to step aside when you're ready. So that's important for everybody to know, I think. Oh, absolutely. And what a luxury it is for the Buffalo Bills radio broadcast that you get a guy that's so experienced in the broadcast field like Steve Tasker that lives in town. And then fortunately for me, he's willing to just do it while I'm unable to travel up there. So really great situation the way it's it's worked out. Um, but unfortunately, I won't be up there, um, at least at least for the first couple, it appears. Yep. Well, we're going to miss you, Eric, and I want you to know that. we we got a lot to talk about. You are going to be part of the uh, of Bills coverage, uh, both, uh, well, all pre and post game, right? What, what do you got going on for this year? Yeah, so I'll be doing the pregame like I did last year, the roundtable discussion with Sal Capaccio and Chris Brown. I'll be doing post-game coverage for the Buffalo Bills. Um, Throughout the week, I'll do my film session. I'm going to interview McDermott still. So I'm trying to do as much as I can from my home here in Louisville, which, um, you know, for my safety and and everybody else, we're we're able to make it work to an extent where I can still at least um, contribute as much as I can to the to the coverage of the team this year yeah uh, we're looking forward to that too um we're a couple of days removed from cutdown day was there anything that surprised you i mean the bills kind of traded out two um receivers uh, robert foster and and duke johnson for a couple of rookies at least to start the the cutdowns what did you think anything else surprised you yeah, Duke Williams, not Duke Johnson. Duke but Williams. Yeah, Duke. yeah, and the only reason I say that is because I was going to bring him right up. You know, Duke became kind of a fan favorite. 
when he got signed to the team from the CFL last year. Um, you know, he, he made a few splash plays in the preseason. He had these crazy videos online and, and he's still going to be on the practice squad this year. And with this being a COVID year um, in the extended practice spot, uh, practice squad spots, you know, as guys get cases or if they get cases throughout the season, you may see these guys pop back up. But but it shows that they really liked um, what they saw from their two rookie draft pick receivers. And. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of surprises. You get Pat DeMarco uh, was injured, and, and it looks like he's not going to be able to come back this year um, from that neck injury he suffered during preseason practice this year. So you, you get a, a rookie. It'll be interesting to see how all that works out, a tight end slash fullback in Gilliam. Um, and, and it'll be interesting to see how that works out, but not a lot of surprises. And you know what's great about that? In a year where you don't have preseason games and you didn't get OTAs, there's not a lot of turnover on this team. There's a lot of familiar faces back from a really good 10-6 and six football team last year, and especially at a number of key positions. Um, I, you know, this was cut down weekend, but maybe the biggest news out of uh, – one Bills drive was the re-signing of Tredavious White and to lock up an absolute superstar cornerback who you love from a personality standpoint, a work ethic standpoint, and then certainly his on-field production. Just a fantastic move in the very first place by Brandon Bean to draft him to Buffalo. In the late 20s, he, he drafts uh, Tredavious White out of LSU, and then he comes to Buffalo and is nothing short of fantastic, and he's rewarded now, and he's locked up for six more seasons. Yeah, that probably was the biggest uh, news, at least one of the big news of uh, events of the offseason. We're with Eric Wood, former uh, Bills center, of course, part of the Bills broadcast team. Hey, Eric, uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, I, I know you didn't get up here to see training camp, but certainly you followed the team and the nature of training camp, a, a different sort of a camp, not going to Rochester, obviously, but a compressed camp. They didn't have the offseason workouts, the, uh, you know, the, uh, the conditioning work and everything they normally do starting back in April or May. What do you think uh, will be the um, what do you think will be the impact of a, such a short, compressed training camp, if, if anything? Well, you're thankful that you have the continuity back. I can assure you yeah. that because, you know, even thinking back to 2010 coming off the lockout when I was a part of that, we had a new system we were trying to learn uh, in Chan Gailey's offense. And, man, that was tough. You know, just – and we had four preseason games, a, a long training camp, but it was, it was tough to learn that. Um, I don't feel too sorry for them, but I do feel for the franchises around the league that had new coaching staffs, a number of new players, you know, new quarterbacks in different systems. Man, that would be extremely tough to learn um, through this shortened condensed preseason and then you don't even get the preseason coverage or the preseason games to go out and then you know test some of this stuff out and see how it works against different competition uh, all those things said I really like the way the bills are sitting with the amount of continuity and for a guy like yourself calling the games uh with with the lack of training camp coverage this year it's a good thing too because now you don't have to learn too many new names um and and you know you, you kind of know what to expect from the guys on the field how much of an advantage will that be for the Bills compared to other teams? The fact that it's a, a pretty intact uh, roster coming back and that they're in the same system they've been in now going into the fourth straight year. Yeah, I think it's a tremendous advantage. And, um, you know, I've made the point a, a few times, but, you know, let's, let's look at it from a different angle when you're talking about the scheme. And now the Bills are able to build on, you know, year you now have year three of Brian Dayball on offense, year four of Leslie Frazier, Sean McDermott on defense. Now you're building 
onto things you've done in the past as opposed to trying to install and try and learn in the first place. Just because you have so many uh, guys back in those schemes, you don't have to reteach it every year. That is so valuable for guys. And, and, and this year will be even in particular. One thing that I'm um, that I'll throw out there that I think could be extremely interesting this year, and, and it kind of goes to the scheme, is the communication at the line of scrimmage with their with the lack of crowd noise. Who knows what they're, you know, I, I don't know um, if they've made an actual ruling on what type of noise can be played. You know, generally the music's got to cut out a certain time before the snap and this and that. You know, what they end up doing to try and fill some of the dead space that'll be in these um, stadiums without fans, but for a communication standpoint, you're going to have to learn different calls week in and week out. Well, being in the same offense year after year, that helps you with, you know, because they've done that a number of times already. Josh Allen and Brian Dable have thought of 10 different words for different pass routes because you're checking at the line of scrimmage so much. Well, now you can just build on that as opposed to trying to learn a new system, learn new communication every week. I could just, I could just see that being extremely tough. I heard you on your podcast talk to Josh about that. What what practical impact will that have, do you think, uh, cadence and, and even changing plays at the line of scrimmage? How, how should the Bills get ready for that? You know, I, th- I think this year you're going to see a lot of communication in the huddle. You know, if they're running no huddle, you obviously have to um, do certain things at a line of scrimmage. But you want as much of the communication done in the huddle this year because the defense – and especially the TV copies, the microphones are going to pick up so much of what's said at the line of scrimmage. I think it's actually going to be fascinating for the fans this year that really like the chess match of football and all the intricacies of the game. You're going to get a true appreciation for what all goes on at the line of scrimmage because I think this year you'll be able to hear the O-line communication a lot more as well as the quarterback. But from a defensive perspective, you know you get a, you get a smart – linebacker defensive lineman that hears a repeated call over and over and sees the same results with his eyes he's going to be able to tee off and wreck plays if you're not careful with your communication but then vice versa if he's going into the game thinking hey every time they say this word it's a run play to the right well then early in the game you give him that communication you show play action well now the whole defense is downhill, and that's sometimes where you see some of your shot plays in the NFL is off of early in the game. You give them something that they've seen on film so that they can no longer trust their eyes and ears. Eric, I want to talk to you or ask you a question really about another aspect of not having fans in the stands. And we know the Bills' first two home games will be no fans there. Um, and this is less, you know, much less practical than what you're talking about, and, and maybe not as significant, but. Um, there's got to be an emotional lift, and, and maybe we're just accustomed to it in Buffalo, the the crazy crowd. I was thinking today about the, how it's a, like a civic celebration, uh, the Bills games at home, and and that's gone at least for the first couple of weeks. Do you think as a player you would notice that? Will, will it make will it make you change the way you play or even the way you feel about going out on the field? Well. As as a pro, you have to make it work this year. And yes, it would it would feel different. I remember walking into games in December when we weren't very good some years. We were eliminated from the playoffs, and and sometimes you know the opposing fans would have the opposing team would have about as many fans as we did. It'd be cold, and 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 you have to personally get up for those games. Like you had to force yourself. Now you talk about a home opener to start the season. And the energy that surrounds it, you can't help but get your adrenaline going. Well, this year, those guys are each week. It's going to be that that first scenario I described where you have to bring your own energy. And that goes back to Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean building this team full of true professionals that they can trust because those guys should come out every Sunday ready to play no matter what. 
Yeah. Uh, the big piece, of course, that they built is the quarterback. And I know you had a long conversation with Josh Allen a week or so ago for your podcast. Um, there are still doubts about Josh around the league. Uh, look, I saw him in maybe half a dozen training camp practices. I have fewer doubts now that, than I may have had at the end of last year. I think he's better and I expect him to be better this year. Do you get that feeling from what he said and, and what you're hearing about Josh Allen? Yeah, and I I love uh, to hear it from your mouth as well because I didn't get to personally see it and it, it, with my own eyes this training camp. I saw some videos, but it's easy to cherry pick a few highlights and throw them on throw them on an Instagram video. It's another thing to watch a a full practice. Um, play out and, and really see how he does throughout an entire day. Uh, but yeah, I, I have a lot of confidence in Josh. I know the way he works. I know the way he trained this offseason. He he trained again with Jordan Palmer out in California with a number of top quarterbacks around the NFL. Um, they put in incredible work there. He worked with the receivers this offseason. They all got together. And and I, 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 I but the, so yes, I, I expect to see development from him. And then I just want him to keep doing the same things he's been doing as far as a leadership uh, perspective as far as his competitiveness it's it's incredible to watch and and that's that's something that gets discounted when someone doesn't watch 16 games worth of buffalo bills football and they simply look at a stat line and say hey you know this guy's right around 60 percent just north of 60 percent passer this and that he runs too much but man when you watch him week in and week out like we did last year watching every single play from preseason to the end that guy is a competitor, and the guys play harder around him because of that. And, yes, does he need to throw to a higher completion percentage for the Bills to get to 12, 13, however many wins this year? Yeah, probably. But you know what? He did a lot of great things last year as well that he can truly be proud of. That's a really good point. And you know what? Josh has better weapons around him. Stefan Diggs should be a difference maker, I would think, huh? I, I Absolutely. And and when they struggled last year, the Ravens showed it first and then the Patriots did it in the second game uh, against them as well. They The Bills struggled at times when they played press man, third downs, second and longs, press man across the board. And we're bringing one more rusher than you have blockers. And it's essentially cover zero, meaning there's no safety deep. But we're betting that your two receivers and a tight end, your three receivers cannot beat our man-to-man coverage in the second and a half you're going to have before our free rusher hits home. Well, what do the Bills do? They go out and get a bona fide number one in Stephon Diggs, and now you have three receivers that can flat out separate from man coverage in Cole Beasley, John Brown, and Stephon Diggs. And I think the Bills organization, uh, Brandon Bean in particular, when he makes that move training a first-rounder for Stephon Diggs, thinks that maybe that gets them over that hump there because you have a guy that you know can go get open. And, and you really got to be careful, especially with John Brown and Stephon Diggs' speed, to truly play cover zero because they'll blow the top off of that. Another guy, and again, this is based on my uh, amateur evaluation of uh, maybe a half dozen training camp practices. I think Zach Moss, the the rookie running back, I think he's going to play a role, probably in a pretty important role for this team, Eric. I don't know how they're going to split up carries, and maybe Moss won't play a lot early on, but I do think he's going to have something to say about the success of the running game this year. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, uh, Devin Stingletary had an incredible year last year, and, and, you know, he split a lot of time with Frank Gore. And, you know, uh, Devin Singletary, I believe he was second in the NFL in yards per carry average, right behind Lamar Jackson. He was the number one running back when when you take a certain amount of minimum carries. So he had a great rookie season, some issues holding on to the football, but then they go and draft a guy in Zach Moss who is fairly similar, maybe a little bit more aggressive at the point of attack 
uh, or a point of contact, I'll say. Uh, maybe a little bit more physical than than motor is as a runner uh, but that's a backfield you can get excited about and then you get your veteran presence in the room and tj yeldon who makes the team again again this year who a lot of fans thought maybe they'd move on from him but sean mcdermott said it himself um, in his interviews at the combine this year they love what he does out of the backfield and they love the veteran presence he brings to that room Last, swing, last question I have for you on the Bills' 2020 season, Eric. It's, it's about the defense. Are, do we make a mistake if we assume that last year's third-ranked defense is going to just kind of pick up where they left off last year? I know the opposition is different, but uh, and they lost Lorenzo Alexander, but they're awfully good, and they're certainly well-studied uh, in this defense that Leslie Frazier has uh, put in, and now they're in their fourth year. I would, I don't know why they would drop off. I can't figure out why they would drop off. Yeah, uh, third ranking overall defense is something to be extremely proud of, and I think they can even be better than they were last year. They add depth and size along the defensive line, which they needed. They bring in Mario Addison, so uh, we I wish we would have got to see him in the pre, in preseason games, but um, we'll get to see him here here uh, against the Jets Sunday. But I w- I want to see if he still got the juice to be a double digit sack guy. If if on third downs they can have him and Jerry Hughes, two two really productive. Pass rushers on the outside. That that's that's one of the missing pieces they were missing last year. A guy opposite of Jerry that could flat rush the passer. Trent Murphy, good defensive end, but he's he's not he hasn't had the sack production as Mario Addison in his career. Sure. I also love the signings of Butler and Jefferson along the defensive line at D tackle. They get some versatility with those guys too, being able to bump uh, Jefferson potentially out to end. You draft Epineza who can play the D is a bigger defensive end where they struggle with a little bit of size against the run last year on the defensive line. He can also play inside on third down. I love what they have there. And then you just get so much continuity at linebacker back. And then in the secondary and, and man, I, I don't want to, I don't want to build it up more than it is, but if Josh Norman can regain, um, some of what he had going under McDermott to make him at one point, the highest paid corner in the league when he left Carolina, if he can bring some of that magic back, oh, my gosh, this secondary could be incredible. It could be fun. Hey, Eric, thanks for this. I'm going to miss you Sunday, but I have a feeling we're going to talk a lot this year regardless. Thanks for doing this with us. Hey, my pleasure, John. Um, I'm going to miss it too, but uh, we'll, be, we'll be back together hopefully before too long here. Thanks. Eric Wood, uh, former uh, color man on the Bills Radio Network. Uh, stick around. we got to talk some beer coming up on Sullivan's Pro Football Kickoff. You're listening to Sullivan's Pro Football Kickoff with your host, John Murphy. Sullivan's Pro Football Kickoff with John Murphy and on the line with the CEO of Sullivan's Brewing Company, Michael Mead, Buffalo native. Michael, it's, it's, I think people would love the story of how you and I got together about three and a half, four years ago in, uh, in the lobby of the Driscoll Hotel in Austin, Texas. Go ahead and tell that story. It's a good one. That it is a good one, John. Thanks for having me on. I, you know, it's funny. You were down there, I think, heading to the Super Bowl in Dallas, and uh, I was you know, like all people do, head down, staring at my phone near the elevator. Um, and just in case people don't think the beer business is collaborative and simpatico with your competitors, uh, I was wearing a big ditch vest, yep. and somebody invaded my space, got a little too close to me, <laughs> and said, "And said, big ditch. What do you think of that beer?" And not only did I recognize your voice, but, you know, I, you know, I obviously picked up my head and said, uh, well, I, li- I like Hayburner and whatnot, and, uh, and it's a nice company. And, and uh, what did we do? We sat down and uh, ended up closing the bar in the lobby, didn't we? Yeah, we did. 
We did with, <laughs> with some company. It was a good night. You have yeah. since then. I think you were just getting started with Sullivan's, but you had a, a really a full career before that. Just give us an idea. You worked in uh, finance, right, in New York City for several years. I did. I, I, uh, I I'm like you said, from Buffalo, uh, Kenmore Mercy baby, uh, North Tonawanda, then Williamsville. Went, went to Canisius High School. Um, and then um, off to Fordham University. So that sort of embedded me in New York for uh, into my 30s, really. Um, moved west while still in finance. Uh, lived in the Bay Area for a good long time, 15, 16 years. And then back to New York over the last five. Um, so, yeah, it was finance. And, uh, and, and I changed it all up fully about a year ago. What got you into Sullivan's? How did you discover Sullivan's? Well, it's funny when when you live out west, uh, you, you'd be surprised at how many requests you get to meet so and so for coffee because they want to figure out if they should move west or not. And uh, and I did I did do that. Um, lo and behold, I met with somebody that um, uh, was holding a Smithix beer in their hand when I met him. It, it wasn't a coffee, obviously. And um, and I said Smithix, great Irish beer. And he said, Well, there's a story about that. Let's talk about that later. And the story was. Uh, that the Smithick family, who had sold themselves to Guinness in 1965, were looking to get back into the beer business, into the brewing business in Ireland. And so that person, uh, you know, who was a finance guy thinking about moving west, actually, you know, kind of made me aware of all that. Um, and then all the way from San Francisco, I flew to Ireland for about 22 hours uh, on New Year's, uh, New Year's Eve day um, in 2014. And that's how it all kicked off. And so... It's this Sullivan's Brewing Company, and it's based in Kilkenny, but we should let folks know, I mean, it is the uh, Sullivan's Pro Football Kickoff. What what products do, does Sullivan uh, feature? What do you sell? Sure. So we brought the beer to Buffalo. We, you know, moving on from 2014, and we launched our our relaunch of the oldest brewery in, Ameri in America, excuse me, in Ireland um, in 2016. And we brought the beer to Buffalo basically December of 2016 as our first American market. Um, at the time, we only had our signature red ale, which is called Maltines, named after the building that was, it was originally brewed in in the 1700s. Um, and it, it got great traction. Um, and, and since then, uh, beyond our Irish red, um, we have um, uh, black marble stout, which is a traditional Irish dry stout um, um, named after uh, Kilkenny is known as the Marble City. And, and the color of the beer is quite dark, so we named it black marble. Um, and then we have what we call Irish gold, which is a golden ale in the tradition of the old um, Irish and English pale ales uh, of previous, uh, you know, d d centuries, really. So um, there we are with three beers now really all over the U.S. in terms of what markets we are presently in. It is it is great beer, great tasting beer. We can both vouch for that. But there's there's great stories around Sullivan's Brewing Company, right? They go, I mean, they started there in 1702. Tell right. me some of the, the highlights of the history of Sullivan's Brewing Company. Well, there's a couple that stand out. I mean, uh, I, I can think of three right off the bat. I mean, one is that, um, you know, um, the Irish famine is, a, is, is frankly an event in the 1840s um, that really created uh, a lot of migration uh, out of Ireland uh, in, into places like the U.S., Australia, and elsewhere, right? Um, I think both the Smithick and the Sullivan's families were very proud that their breweries um, actually opened their doors to feed the, uh, the hungry during that period of time. And, you know, in the brewing process, there's a stage where um, effectively, um, you know, the, the, the product at the time is called wort, 
W-O-R-T, and um, it's actually nutrient-rich and similar to porridge at that stage of the brewing process. And so, if you will, the breweries, both families, opened their doors and, uh, and, and, and fed the poor and the hungry at the time, almost in a soup kitchen kind of format. Um, so it's something the company is very proud of, and both families are very, very proud of. Um, the Sullivans and the Smithick families, over time, you know, they were competing breweries. Uh, Sullivans started in 1702, Smithick's in 1710, but those families intermarried and, and so forth. As a matter of fact, one of my business partners, Alan Smithick, is also a Sullivan uh, to this day. And so, um, you know, these are proud families with long brewing traditions, 300-year brewing traditions. You know, another story that, that jumps out is... Um, it's just, you know, um, there was a fire at the brewery one day um, and the whole town, you know, really gathered buckets and ran up to uh, to help put that fire out. And so in some of our branding, you'll you'll see references to, you know, the buckets uh, for doing that. But I think the, the kingpin story is actually um, why Sullivan's went out of business and why this is a relaunch and not just a, a launch. And and that's the fact that just after World War One at a racetrack in France, um, the leader of the Sullivan's brewery actually bet the brewery on a horse race and, <laughs> and, and lost and, uh, and literally lost the family's business on a bet. And so you'll also see, uh, horses as part of our branding at times, you know, we, we lay that in there a little bit, plays well in Saratoga, let's say, where we do, we, we do have our beers. Um, and, and ironically, the, the Smithicks, their main competitor in town, um, if you can imagine, too, and they were exporting, both companies were exporting uh, internationally, you know, for, for a couple of centuries. Um, you know, um, it's pretty amazing, but the Smithick family acquired those trademarks in, in the brewery, and uh, as happens in the, in the beer business, they buried it. So Sullivan's, from just after World War I, through our relaunch in 2016, had been defunct, if you will. Wow. Why did you, why did you, uh, you're from Buffalo, obviously, but there, it has to be more to it than why you kind of launched the, the beer in the United States in, in the Buffalo area and now really have a strong foothold in upstate New York, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, I'd like to thank Triat Distributing, you know, um, I love the Vukulik family, family and they helped us, um, bring the beer to America, quite frankly, and they were an obvious first call for me. So, um, many beers we we grew up drinking in Buffalo have been distributed by the Vukulik family at, at Try It. And so it was an easy call to make. Um, I needed advice and I also needed help. <laughs> needed a market and they gave it to me, right? Um, and that was, uh, that's, that, that was fantastic and, and much appreciated. And then we sort of, we've, we've gone down the throughway over the last couple of years. And really we're statewide in New York State now, uh, four years on. So it feels great and we couldn't have done it without Try It from the get-go. And again, um, for listeners, you know, even today, you're, you're, you're drinking a try of beer very likely if you're having a beer in Buffalo. So it feels good to be a part of our portfolio. And but the, yeah, the expansion so, continues, right? I mean, the beer is in Ohio and very successful there. You're you are in uh, Georgia as we speak. Uh, you're even kind of launching out west a little bit, right? Yes. Yeah, so I, I guess we're in seven states now, which has happened semi quickly because it mostly happened over the last really nine months, despite COVID. Um, so yeah, you know, once we sort of did the New York routine again, Saratoga was second, we did Syracuse, um, Rochester, then we did Cleveland, Akron, Ohio. And since then we've, we are now statewide in Pennsylvania. So that's been great. Um, despite COVID, uh, that's a very tough state in terms of executive orders right now. We're in Southern Michigan, 
um, we we trickled down to Columbus, Ohio, by the way, I forgot to mention that. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in northern New Jersey, New York City, Long Island, um, Georgia, like you mentioned. We started in Savannah, where I'm sitting now, um, and we're right now busting into Atlanta. Um, and then um, just a week ago, launched into northern California. Um, and the pending thing for us right now um, is COVID-related, but we will be statewide in North Carolina um, uh, soon, as soon as, you know, they're only, really only in like phase two and a half right now. Um, and when they bust through that, um, what I'm thrilled about with North Carolina is, first of all, I love the beaches in North Carolina, but second of all, there's so many Buffalo expatriates in Charlotte specifically that I hope to be able to, to link, you know, that back to home really. Yeah. And Buffalo, you really, Sullivan's has established a strong foothold in Buffalo and in upstate New York, Michael. And, and that plays right into, uh, Sullivan sponsorship on the Bills Radio Network, right? We're, we're going to hey, sponsor hey. the opening kickoff on the Bills Radio Network. I'm excited about that. Uh, I'm excited to hear your voice. You know, um, you know, between DirecTV or, you know, I've been, believe it or not, even while living in California, I was a season ticket holder of the Bills. And one of the, one of the fun things since we've met that I've always enjoyed is I'll be in the stadium 10 minutes, five minutes before kickoff and text John Murphy and he actually answers me. So <laughs> I, I I, I think before the game starts. So I think your job you might not be that tough, right, John? So, <laughs> it is. Child's play, yeah. You're always there for me. Um, but, yeah, it's a thrill. I can't wait for the first game, the opener, to hear your voice say that this, the kickoff is sponsored by Sullivan's. You know, we're an ambitious young company. It's the first time that we've bought media of any kind. So we're thrilled about that chance. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Hey, Michael, thanks for this. Have a great uh, time and uh, get ready for a Bills season. How many wins for the Bills this year? What do you think? I think it's 12. I think, uh, you know, the Kansas City game will tell us a lot, um, but we'll probably play them again later, won't we? Yeah, that's right. I hope so. Michael, thank you. <laughs> Take care, John. Well, that's about it for our first podcast, the Sullivan's Pro Football Kickoff, and that's how they're all of them going to sound pretty much. We're going to talk about the Bills in the NFL, and we're going to talk about beer. Anyone got a problem with that? (laughs) Bills and beer. If you do have a problem, if you'd like to talk more, if you have suggestions, send us an email. Our email address, Sullivan's Pro Football Kickoff at gmail.com. Or uh, respond on my Twitter page at John Murphy. Pretty simple at that. Um, Love to hear from you. Love to know what you think of the podcast. And maybe you have some good ideas for us as well. I want to thank Michael Mead, the CEO of Sullivan's Brewing Company. You can find Sullivan's Irish Red Ale, Irish Gold Ale, and Sullivan's Black Marble Stout on tap at many fine establishments throughout western New York, through upstate New York, and in other locations as well. Um, Irish Red and Gold are on sale at supermarkets and beer stores as well. I want to thank Eric Wood. We're going to miss him on the Bills broadcast this Sunday, uh, but we hope to get him on later this year, and we know he'll be keeping tabs on the Buffalo Bills. We got our first Bills broadcast this Sunday, the 2020 season opener. The Jets and the Bills, 1 p.m. I'll be on the Bills radio network calling play-by-play with my partner, Steve Tasker, handling the color. Should be a very good game. I really believe that. Yes, the Bills should win it, too. The Jets are outmanned. The Bills are an outstanding team with talent. They are deep. They have the benefit of their third year in the current with the current crew. This is a game they absolutely should win. And that makes you a little scared when you get those games that you expect to win. But I think Buffalo will win it. I think they'll win it like 27-10. to 10. I look for a good start from Josh Allen, a good start to the season, an outstanding game based on what I've seen in preseason so far. I expect rookie running back Zach Moss to make his presence felt. I expect to see some big plays from Stefan Diggs and John Brown. Um, the usual solid uh, 
defense by the Bills, too. They've been outstanding on defense now for three straight years. They'll start a fourth year with great defense on, on Sunday. I want to thank also the producer of our podcast, Pat Feldball. He's done an outstanding job. Next week, we're going to talk more about the Bills. We'll talk about the season opener against the Jets. We'll review what happened, and we'll preview the first road game at Miami, and we'll have a little more beer talk as well next week. Hope to see you then on the Sullivan's Pro Football Kickoff. You've been listening to John Murphy and the Sullivan's Pro Football Kickoff. It's all about the Bills and the beer.